everyone. Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body. I am Jesse Neeland, and I have a fun guest for you here today. I've got Kat Nardizi. Am I saying that right? You are. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, Kat is an actor, singer, and artist living in New York City uh, who makes content on social media about bisexuality and makeup. And uh, we've been in each other's orbit for a bunch of years, and I am excited to finally get to collaborate like this. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly, I'm so flattered and honored. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I bring up the content you make because that's really what drove the idea for this episode. Um, a lot of what I want to talk about today has to do with your queer identity. So I'm going to have you just kind of like I identify yourself in that space, like share a little bit about your, um, how you came to that identity or uh, how you identify. Sure. Um, so I identify as bisexual. Uh, we are real, we exist. <laughs> um, and I question it constantly still, which I'm just coming to accept as the support of being bisexual, at least my bisexuality. Mm. Um, I didn't, I, I definitely, I was raised Catholic. So oh. that was a whole journey to, uh, to overcome in, in exploring my sexuality and eventually accepting my sexuality. Uh, so I didn't actually start exploring in earnest until I was in my mid twenties. Mm. And it was in the confines of like a relationship where I was having group sex with my partner at the time. And, um, it, 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 you know, for a while I was just like, Oh, I'm hetero flexible. Like, yeah, maybe some, <laughs> you know, even though in college, like I was taking every opportunity I could to make out with women and I was still yeah. like, yeah, I'm straight. I'm straight. Like whatever. Um, which I feel like is not uncommon, <laughs> uh, for many women's journeys. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, when I was 27 is when I dated my first, a, my, a woman for the first time. And it was in the confines of a polyamorous relationship. So I was dating, we were dating another partner together. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very much a journey of like, looking back, I can see that, um, I, I was having crushes on, on, on girls. And mm -hmm. I just thought, I, I just thought they were really cool. And I was like enamored <laughs> by them. Um, and you know, through later years of exploring, like, I remember so distinctly, I was at a strip club and someone had bought me a lap dance. And so this dancer was giving me a lap dance and she had her boobs in my face. And I just remember thinking like, I really like the, how this feels. I don't know. Uh, having like pillowy boobs in my face. And um, so from there, I sort of started to kind of question, like, do I actually, am I attracted to women? Like, mm -hmm. is this a thing that could be true for me? Um, and so once I started to accept it more, um, I was still in for a journey because overcoming your internalized homophobia from Catholicism is a whole, a whole nother thing you get to go through, or at least that was part of my journey. Um, so even like through dating my first two girlfriends, I had to overcome a lot of just internalized homophobia, biphobia, just feeling like yeah. I was doing something wrong or something was wrong with me or, or whatever. Um, that was compounded by being in a very abusive relationship, but we mm. won't get into that. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it's been really lovely. I'm still really good friends with the the two women that I have dated for longer periods of time and, uh, they remain great friends. And, um, yeah, now I'm, I'm single and I'm living in New York and I'm dating whoever, whoever, whoever I seem to find interesting yeah. <laughs> at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I guess I was in a series of long-term serious relationships with primarily men. And, um, in two of those relationships, 
I, we were like open or polyamorous. So like my only experiences with women, either dating or sex was like in, like, I wasn't just a singular, singular individual seeking those. So it felt more complicated in that sense. And one of the main reasons I left my last long-term serious relationship with a man was because I wanted to give myself an opportunity to explore my sexuality, like with my, my interest in women, uh, outside of like, so I have a boyfriend, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is just, yeah, a whole nother complicated layer of when you're, when you're a queer person trying to meet other queer people and yeah. maybe the other queer people aren't polyamorous or they aren't interested in being open. So I just wanted to give myself uh, that opportunity. That was one of the reasons I uh, broke up with him. And so I've been single ever since, well, I've briefly dated a few people here and there. Um, but, uh, I mentioned that to say uh, that and I ended that relationship in 2021 and like that whole summer I went through a whole bi crisis which I feel like many bisexual people <laughs> go through where you're just like wait am I actually just gay like do yeah. I even like men I, comp head like what is going on uh-huh. um so I went through that uh, and then- for anybody who has not heard this term by the way I want to clarify comp head is compulsory Wait, shoot, heteronormativity? Is that what it is? Had compulsory heterosexuality. heterosexuality. Yeah, okay. So it's so basically, yeah, give us a definition and then you can finish your story. Yeah, it's this idea that um, because we're raised in a heterosexually like normative society that uh, we, particularly as women or non-men, are conditioned from a young age to be with men and to like serve them and to show up uh, to please them, you know, to please their gaze, to please their every whim or whatever. And so much so to, the fact that to we like get- orient our sexuality around them. It's yes. like there's patriarchy and there's the male gaze, but there's also the idea that like you are not really given an option to orient yourself. Otherwise you can be gay, but you got to like climb out of this hole and really like work hard. So anyone who's not like, I'm so gay is left in this weird space where it's like, well, I'm probably regular straight then, I guess, you know, or I, it, that's the compulsory aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's literally, it, it, it feeds into just like this way we've been taught to show up in the world and yeah. kind of like been conditioned, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, like brainwashed in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect term actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I feel like a lot of queer uh, women or, or, or people questioning their, their sexuality do learn about comp head and they have to go through this whole like, wait, do, is, do, am I attracted yeah. to this person or am I feeling these compulsory heterosexual feelings toward them? <laughs> and um, so I went through that, but I, I basically came to the conclusion like, no, as much as I have a distaste for men, which is a whole nother thing, <laughs> um, I still am attracted to them and that is what it is. (laughs) But um, I also have come to understand my sexuality as just something that can be seasonal, you know, like sometimes I can be more attracted to one gender or one type of person. And then other times it's, it's another, Um, but it's been a really cool journey to, to go through all these phases of questioning and like trying on different, just like perspectives and understandings and, and just like seeing what really feels Uh, like true for me Mm -hmm. um because I've I've been able to start to recover from this compulsory you know way of being where where I'm showing up just to please men or showing up just to to feel attractive to them or or what I've been told they're attracted to and and just like break that down and then find like what I actually like how I actually like to show up and express Mm -hmm. myself and be 
So, yeah. So, okay. There's so much in that. Oh my God. Uh, first of all, I, I most often am interviewing people that are different from me in some capacity. And there's like, you know, a lot of, um, seeking to highlight and understand those differences with you. I'm like so much of our story is similar or identical. There's just so much crossover. Um, I'm also bisexual. I'm also, uh, open poly. So there that's like, by the way, it's whole own queer category, you know, oh like my God. to not yep. be in monogamy, which is also compulsory. It's like what yeah. we're given. We don't learn about the option to be, um, polyamorous. At least we didn't when we were younger, maybe the new generations might. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I really, really resonate with a lot of this. And I feel like you have over the years that I followed your content really inspired me because so much of my personal journey with biphobia, internalized, um, just homophobia in general, all of that stuff, I went through like, not quietly because I would always, you know, everybody in my life knew. Um, and I would sometimes talk about it, you know, on my platform and everything, but I certainly, I wasn't, I just didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was like, I didn't even know how to write about it. Most of the time when I was in LA, for example, it was like the first time I was single and like actively dating women and being like, what the hell am I doing? Honestly, this is so overwhelming, so confusing. Everything yep. is so different. And then you start interrogating like this thing that you said, interrogating what attraction is, yeah. um, which is something that I had done before with clients with regard to like different partnerships and, you know, different things, but I had never done it for myself to be like, oh, like the texture of my attraction to men is yes. completely unrelated to the texture of my attraction to women. And like, I didn't know that attraction had a texture and now I'm freaking <laughs> out and I'm so nervous. And anytime like a cute girl would message me, I would like throw my phone across the room and hide, you know, like I was like, this is yes. not me. Like I know myself as like this really confident person in the space of dating and sex. And all of a sudden I felt like a freaking kindergartner who yep. was trying to figure out like what was going on. And so, so much of that stuff, I always felt very inspired by your content because you would put out very real like Aww, it's hard, but it's like, it's hard and it's confusing, but it's possible. That was like what I got a lot from, from the stuff that you would write and, and make about just the experience of being bi and like questioning it all and being like, I'm confused yeah. and it's okay. I loved yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that's the ever lifelong journey for me for now is going to be just always coming back to accept, like, I'm always going to question it. Maybe yeah. or I'm always going to be like, I don't know. Like, I just feel, I feel it. So my experience of my sexuality is so much like a pendulum swing. Like it really mm -hmm. is. And also it, it, it's so interesting when you do break down attraction, like you said, because, um, we're also taught like the types of people we should be attracted to yes. as women. And I, even growing up, like, it's funny. Cause I, and, and this really does, I feel like explain how I feel attracted to people because for me, it's not purely physical at all. It's very like energetic and, yeah. um, like, uh, mixtures mash, ma mix ups and mashups of feminine and, and, and masculine energy. I grew up like a a tomboy. I know that we're not really using that word anymore, but yeah. a, 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 you know, not girly girl at all. And, um, I actually like, didn't come into like wearing makeup until college really. Um, mm -hmm. which is so funny that it's such a big part of like how I express yeah. myself now. Um, but a lot of that was driven by feeling like I was not ever feminine enough mm -hmm. and like I needed to be more feminine. And that was like one way I could 
try and be more feminine because I always have always felt like I am seeped in a masculine energy and I always wanted to like get rid of that growing up. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, I freaking love how masculine I am and how strong I am. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you're either like vibing with this or you're not. And it's so interesting, the type of men that are attracted to me now, because it's like very different than the past. And then, right. you know, same with like women and stuff, but it makes sense though, because I tend not always, but I tend to, to be attracted to men who are seen as more feminine, either in features yeah. or energy or, or, or just how now, they was show that up. Always true. Or is that more as you have like found acceptance for how you present? I, I think it, it was always definitely it was always true, true growing up, but I hated, I didn't, I rejected that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I should be attracted to the masculine man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes that was true, but other times it was like, but I, I like this very sweet boy over here and yeah. that should be okay too, you know? Uh totally. So I would say that my, one, one of the things that's really interesting about interrogating attraction is that I can see a very like 180 degree shift over the course of who I've been attracted to with regards to men specifically. Um, because I think that most of what I wanted out, like most of what I was attracted to was validation for so long. Yes. Oh my God. So, yes. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like I was not actually attracted to any men. I don't think for, for most of my younger life, I was attracted to the validation it got me. Therefore, you know, I mean, and the energy stuff was there too, right? Like I also sure. was drawn to certain kind of energies, but like, I would say that most of what I experienced as or or understood to be attraction was about those kind of um, high status type of guys, right? It's like Brad Pitt is attractive. He's like the perfect right. man. And, you know, like there was very much that idea that like that would be more validating than somebody who is lower status. Therefore, that was more attractive. When I later discovered about like pleasure, <laughs> Which I, it took, I talk about this a lot on my platform, but like, it took me a very long time to discover actual pleasure for myself in, in bed, because as a self-objectifier, I was just always connected to like how that man saw me, you mm. know, like getting the validation of like, I am worthy because he wants me like so much of what I learned totally interrupted the fact that I'm actually really kind of turned off by, by high status, high masculine men. And I did not realize that until probably yep. like my early to mid twenties when I started being like, oh, this is nothing. Like yeah, if I no, it's that layer out. There's nothing left with nope. those men. Whereas over here, these softer, more feminine men, like I like shorter men. I like, yes. you know, all of these things that I love. And I didn't even know that that was being blocked by anything. Mm -hmm. Until I started questioning, what do I like? What does this feel like? Right. No, that's all beautiful, beautiful points. Um, I think for certainly too, there's just that added, that added layer of the compulsory part of it all is um, we are taught to like seek validation from men from yeah. a young age and to a detrimental degree, in my opinion. And um, once I started like question, really questioning my bi bi bi-ness and being like, maybe I'm just gay. Like I've just been seeking <laughs> validation from men. Like when I, how I dress, when I go out in the world, like, you know, just going out in a bar and like looking for the man to get attention from. And yeah. once I started breaking that down, I, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. And it's a, a lot more enjoyable. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I hang out with a lot of um, women who are a handful of years younger than me, they're Gen Z or whatever. And, uh, 
I just see them get so caught up in this, oh, this drive for the validation and they're straight or mostly straight, yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine. But I, I don't know how to have that conversation of like, honey, like you're just seeking validation right now, which isn't bad, but like there's more yeah, to life yeah. than that. And you can also get validation in other ways from yourself, mm-hmm. from your friends, et cetera. <laughs> It's such but, a like you you can't drop that on someone. It's such no. a deep, long conversation. So something that I think I'd like to hear more about then is when you started interrogating, what did you discover about yourself? Like once you started to pull away the compulsory uh, heterosexuality, the compulsory um a monogamy, all of these things that were like, this is what I'm supposed to, this is what I'm supposed to. What did you ultimately find? Um, that's a great question. Uh, honestly, once I started interrogating it, I mean, it just made a lot more sense that I didn't feel like these things that I was told I should do be want and have like yeah. were really never things I really wanted to do be want or have. And I, and I truth, truthfully for a lot of those things, I mean, like getting married, having kids, I've never, mm-hmm. ever felt like that's something I'm stre- extremely drawn to do. And, and, and thankfully I'm, I come from a family that has never placed any kind of weird pressure on that. My mom talks about like, I guess I'm never going to have grandkids. And I'm like, yeah, mom, I guess you're not like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. Like I have two dogs, like they give me your grandkids. Um, but so stuff like that has, there's been certain aspects where like, that's always been like kind of clear for me, but like with the, even the non-monogamy, I like, I've always been an extremely like open, loving kind of person who can connect with like lots of different people. And so that just like made sense to me once I discovered it and explored it for myself. Um, and then, um, I mean, and then in terms of just like breaking down, like the seeking validation for men, it's like, oh my God, like how much of our life has we, have we fucking wasted just like trying to get this validation or like twisting ourselves into a version of ourselves that just like, isn't us. Like I can look at a photo of myself from 2018 even, even 20, even just like 2020, um, the beginning of 2020. And I just see this version of myself that just doesn't feel like me. Um, and it's so interesting because once I started questioning this stuff, I mean, the first, the first tangible things I can talk about that, um, that I can point to that really shifted were like, just giving myself permission to change the way I dressed, change my hair. And like, those sounds so silly. Right. But I, like for like, I don't know, five or for most of my twenties, for pretty much all of my twenties, I looked the same. I didn't, I did nothing different with my hair. I dressed the same. It was kind of, it's kind of boring. Like, oh, and actually, oh, I'll I'll share this. So, um, you know, Devin Moretti, she's a good friend of mine. She's one of my ex-girlfriends. Um, I was visiting her in San Diego a few years ago. It was in 20, it might've been in 2020. I visited her right before everything. Yeah, I think it was in 2020 hmm. at a Mexican restaurant. And I had like done my hair real nice. I, I was blonde then. I had long blonde hair. You know, we looked cute, whatever. We went to this Mexican restaurant that was like totally slammed. Even though we had a reservation, we sold the weight, whatever. The, the the server comes take our orders. I get like chicken tacos. So I'm like, whatever. You can't really mess with chicken tacos. The tacos come, they're disgusting. Like the tortillas really gross. The chicken's really gross. I barely eat it. You know, the server comes to take everything away. He's like, oh, you didn't like your tacos. I'm like, why didn't you tell me they were terrible? And he was like, I don't know. You just look like a basic white girl. So I was like, <laughs> excuse me. I called him out right away and he got really embarrassed. Um, 
But I got like a really hilarious answer. Like under no circumstances would that go over well for anybody. No, (laughs) but I like tore him a new asshole. And like, he was like, here's some nice tequila for free. And we're like, thank you. But like, what the fuck? Check yourself. Um, But it was it was like a comment that really stuck with me because I was like, right. You're not wrong. I do kind of just look like a basic white girl, blonde white girl. Um, And that like didn't sit right with me. And uh, and then the pandemic happened and. I like most people dyed their hair a fun color, dyed their hair pink, and I dyed a bunch <laughs> of other colors. And that was really fun because it was like this kind of safe container to, yeah. to like play. Um, and then from there, I like cut my hair short, like short, like shoulder length, which yeah, for yeah. me was short. And which is something I have been terrified to do my whole life because I was told from a young age that men don't like short hair on girls. Right. Which is just so sad and silly that I like kept that, that keep me from, I mean, Along with, I mean, body image stuff. Like I always had this, yeah, this story about related. my. But I also had a story. Always had a story about like my face being too round to like have short hair mm-hmm. and all this stuff and la la la. So there's layers to it, but yeah. largely it was this this idea that men won't find me attractive if I cut my hair off. But then I Which, broke up. By with my the boyfriend. way, what is I wouldn't feel attractive if not men won't find me attractive? Like those are, yes, almost like one circled Venn diagram situation. Yes. Right. Which is like, again, like just like interrogating. It. It's like, well, what makes yeah. you feel attractive? How do you, when do you feel attractive? And how, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? What information are you using? Right. You're using the lens of some other person, which is yeah. fucked. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I cut my hair off and like, it's just been from there is really as when I just started to like give myself permission to like, what if I just dressed a little less feminine? Yeah. What if I dressed you know, not showing off my body, which is like something yeah. I always tried to prioritize when dressing myself for so long. It was like, I want to show off that I am a thin, attractive looking person, right. whatever. I, I I went a very similar direction. And for me, it had to do with um, being sort of petite. Like yes. I, I am not tall or nothing about me is like elongated or like reads as very long to the eye. And therefore anything that I would ever wear that was actually comfortable, pretty much I would see as unflattering. Cause I would, I would think it like made me look frumpy. And so I yeah. always went with the same, the same kind of aesthetic. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think I wore sweaters for years. Cause I was like, no, they make me look yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, they're comfortable and they keep it's one warm. of my favorite things to do now is dress in like really oversized men's clothes and just be like yeah. fuck you patriarchy literally <laughs> I, I couldn't do it but I can <laughs> uh yeah but I mean it's just those little things and then I, I rocked the like short short bob for like a year and and I dyed this like streak in my front of my hair and I just it just was really fun to play and I um right before the pandemic, I started using Rent the Runway, which has been really fun in terms of just like exploring fashion, uh, which is also something I never thought, I never considered myself to be fashionable. And now I do, <laughs> but it's mostly because I, I I could just like rent these clothes that I don't have yeah, to yeah. commit to buying and they're really nice clothes. Um, but I would just, I just would rent weird things, like weird to me things. And I'm yeah. like, can I pull this off? And now I'm like, just known for like, I'm like horrifically overdressed all the time. <laughs> Which like, I don't care. I'm just like, I'm having fun, you know? Um, But it was, it was kind of just like that little uh, progression of events where I just started to kind of play and, and just, yeah, like question, like, what if I didn't, you know, X, Y, Z thing I've done done for my life. So what I think is so amazing about this, because a lot of times people will ask, like, how do I get to a place where I 
you know, kind of like know who I am in that space or, or even just the question of like, how do I know what's authentic versus like, you know, what I've uh, sort of been conditioned to believe about beauty ideals or self-presentation. And I feel sure. like the way that you're presenting it here, it's so actually not a mystery. It is interrogation, it's curiosity, and then it's yep. experimentation. And then yep. you just like fold what you learned from that experiment back into the interrogation and keep going. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, literally play, I'm playing, playing yeah, dress up. I'm playing play. with how I, what I put on my face and playing with what I put on my body and just seeing what feels good. It doesn't, yeah. I don't always, like, sometimes I play and I'm like, yeah, I didn't, this wasn't it, whatever moving on. Um, but I think that's how you, you, you find yourself. Particularly, I would say it's probably true in any area, but in certain areas, it would be so much more subtle because there's no pushback. People would, people wouldn't be like, oh, so you bake now, you know, this with the same like intensity that they would like, oh, you're wearing like really right. full face of makeup now. Like what's this? Or you chopped your hair off. Like, like do you get pushback about this stuff when it comes to like how you break rules with the way that you dress that you wouldn't normally get if you're like, oh, you took up a new hobby. Right. Oh, you play guitar now? Playing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Good for you, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's I a think good around point. gender and like sexuality, mm -hmm. and these are just big areas where like a lot of this presentation stuff, big areas where people's feathers get so ruffled. I had um uh an interview guest on named Tuck, who is a a trans person who it talked just the same about play with regard to finding their gender identity. And I feel like even though you identify as cisgender. Yes. Yeah. I do. So even though this wasn't about gender identity, there's so much in here about presentation and identity that like swirls in that space, like breaking the rules of, okay, can you be a cisgender woman, but you know, do or not do all of these things. And, yes. uh, it all like, you don't get to find out whether something feels good unless you've just gone and tried some random shit. Literally. Yeah. I mean, that can be applied to pretty much anything in life, right? Like you don't yeah. actually <laughs> know how you're going to feel about something until you're doing it. Because mm -hmm. we can like dream our whole lives. Like I want to do, I want to climb this mountain. And then like you're climbing the mountain. You're like, I fucking hate this. Mm -hmm. I, this is not the experience I thought it was going to be. So fuck this. And you, you know, stop or whatever. Yes. But like, you really aren't going to know until you're training to climb the mountain or you're climbing the mountain or yeah. whatever. And so I encourage anyone to do that, that wants to just discover if anything feels good is to just mm -hmm. try it, play it with it. And and like, so, don't <laughs> be kind to yourself. Like don't, it's okay if it doesn't work out. And yeah, it's not that serious. Like no. the big thing I think that people are afraid of is the loss in status that comes with not fitting beauty ideals, feminine yes. beauty ideals that are supposed to be this very contained thing. Again, it's all for like a validation and attraction to men. And when you start breaking that down, you, you do actually lose status. And so people are not wrong to be afraid of this. Right. But I also feel like there's so much power and liberation. Like the first time I shaved my head, I felt, I actually hated it. I did not like how it looked or felt until, uh, like a little while later as it started to be very short hair. But for a while I was like, this sucks. I don't, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in that experience, there was so much to learn and I'm so, so happy I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. But the biggest one was I no longer have to be afraid of what would happen if I lost all my hair. Right. It's like, it just took, like, I was afraid of that my whole life. 
Well, and it was just like, oh, I guess I would just, I don't know, wear earrings and survive. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not that serious anymore. And and a headscarf and wigs. (laughs) Time to wig it up. That isn't, that isn't an avenue that I've yet to explore that I'm excited to explore one day is wigs. Oh my God. Yeah. I could see that for you. Um, for any, anybody who is just listening to this in podcast format and not on YouTube, um, Kat, or actually maybe, cause I'll link to your Instagram in the show notes too. They can check you out there. Um, Kat has a bit of a like very exaggerated femme glam look like right now I'm looking at big winged eyeliner and I don't even know a leather vest. Oh, pleather. Yeah. Ple- it's like a, a pleather a- top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a pleather. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so. And that's something that I was always interested in too, is the way that like you could go through all this interrogation. And for me, what I discovered is like, fuck all of that. Like I do not feel like a femme person at all. And you could go through all this interrogation and come to the same authentic conclusion in the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, and, but like exaggerate it even more, right? Like if, if we just look at me, you know, we'll say pre pandemic or whatever, and how I was expressing myself, I was doing like the same boring eye makeup, the same, mm. whatever look every day, every, whatever the, the, the winged liner might just be a little bit bigger, but <laughs> that would be as crazy as I got. Yeah. And, um, really like in this year of 2021 and on, I've, I've just discovered, like, I love colors. I like literally am obsessed with these wet gel, gel wet liners, um, from Glisten Cosmetics where you just, um, you wet, you wet your brush yeah, and then yeah. you dip it in and then you can, it's just be like a gel liner. Is that the one you did the like rainbow liner one? (laughs) Yes. Okay. This was what I actually wrote this down to ask about because it cracked me up so much. So this is a video where (laughs) you talk about how everybody always asks. And I hear this too. Like, how can I like do my makeup and present myself so that people know that I'm queer? queer. Like I, for a femme presenting person who kind of looks like you could just be straight. How do you signal that to people? And so she does this whole like little, you know, no worries. I got you. I have a little trick. And she's like doing this like bright colored rainbow cat eye and then just writes, I'm gay across her <laughs> eyelids because there is no way to answer that question. It's no. a problematic, stupid question. Yeah. And it's unfortunately any queer femmes listening, like, I think we're just going to struggle forever. It's fine. It, it is what it is. Um, honestly, you just got to get good at opening the conversation, which I, I did have a video on that and I think it got taken off Instagram. But I have some pointers if you need them for starting conversations in bars with, you know, opening conversations, which can feel so scary for people. I'm like 99.99% extroverted. So it's not mm. hard for me. I can Is this talk something to a you could give us in like two to three quick tips? Because I actually oh, think that's yeah. a really interesting topic. Yeah, oh, sure. 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 I mean, so this is for people who are particularly is it particularly for femme presenting queers yeah I mean anyone can use these tips but (laughs) but for like the the queer ladies that are like nervous to start a conversation and and also like might find themselves in queer spaces and they're like they're just gonna think I'm another straight girl here because straight people go to queer bars and like that's fine um but yeah uh, also a lot of like newly queer people are just really really especially women uh, and non-men, it's really uncomfortable because you've spent a lifetime learning how to be chased yes, and like pursued and have him do all that labor. And then when yep. nobody else is going to do the labor and you're like, who the fuck does the labor? I have to do <laughs> the labor. Are you yes. kidding? One of us so have, has to do it. Actually an amazing topic. So share. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, so my very first tip is really simple. A great way to start any conversation is just by giving a genuine compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Okay. So that's kind of it. But then there's like two little sidebars. Number one though, like I, uh, uh, eye contact matters and like, uh, the way, how you, how you say the compliment matters, okay. right? Particularly if you're uh, a new to your queer identity or exploring your queerness for the first time as a woman or just a non-man and you're used to, you know, you're like, I have to talk now. Um, I feel like we, I feel like with men, we're trained to like speak in this like higher register and just be like mm -hmm. really sweet stuff. And so uh, if you want to be like more sincere about what you're trying to say, just speak more in a more grounded way, you know, yeah. don't, don't speak in this higher pitched tone. Sounds silly, but I feel like a lot of women might struggle That's with that. Huge. Um, and speed too. So yeah, pitch 100% goes yes. up yep. as sort of, and it's like so subtle for anybody listening who has never interrogated like your vocal tone and when and how you change it, mm -hmm. it's going to trip you out. Um, I, I did a thing in acting school once um, where they were like, give an example of when you might go like up an octave. And I would be like, oh, I'd be like talking to one of my friends and my dad calls. <laughs> You know, like that would just That's, be like instantly like, hey, new. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. Uh, pitch and then speed because so many of my women clients, especially, they go like so fast, almost like they don't feel deserving of taking up, you know, we talk about taking up space. They don't feel yeah. deserving of taking up time, especially yes. a man's time. So uh yeah, those are that's yeah. huge. But that's it. Yeah. So how you say it, basically being more grounded, go slowly, be sincere mm -hmm. with it. Um, and then, yeah, the compliment it could be about anything. It could be like, I mean, like I went up to a girl, a woman recently in a bar and was just like, I just love, I genuinely loved her pants. I was like, <laughs> hey, like you have those pants are so, so cool. Like, where'd you get them? And, you know, we, that started a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I looked at her when I said it in the eyes and yeah. I said, you know, like those pants are so cute. Like, yeah. Where'd you get them? You know, <laughs> and, and like, it's just like a tiny little shift, but it can go, it can go a long way. And like, it doesn't have to be complicated. I feel like people overcomplicate starting conversations yeah. with strangers. And it's just like, if it doesn't go anywhere, whatever, move on, like walk to yeah. the other end of the bar. <laughs> I think the, the, how there is so important too, because you can think or, or so like highlightable rather, because you can think about it would actually be pretty easy if you think drunk girls, drunk straight girls complimenting each other in the bathroom. Like, oh my God, those cute, those pants Literally. are adorable. Where did you get them? Right? Like, exactly. It feels instantly like you're in the world of straight town where like, I would certainly not assume I was being hit on if somebody spoke to me that way. And so they probably wouldn't either. Right. Right. But all those little subtle changes and how you show up, the eye contact, the pitch, you know, the sort of presence and grounded energy that is all it really takes that's it and yeah the same line will read very differently yeah yeah and I mean like and like maybe this stuff is I mean I I literally broke this down in this video that I made mm -hmm. and and I just was like I just had to I was like okay let me break this down and maybe it's more inherent for people like you and I who are extroverted and also have like been in acting school <laughs> probably yeah I feel but... like acting encourages this kind of interrogation in general yes so like we probably have a lot more time processing like what all of this is and means and how it can be changed and like, yeah. And how it's perceived or, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and how yeah. it feels, how it all reads. Yeah. So, but just that's, that's really kind of it. I mean, and then another really kind of less, um, even less kind of scary way. It could be just like, if you have a drink or what you're drinking, just like stick it up. Like you're going to clink it with someone. And hopefully if they're not an asshole, 
they'll clink it back and you'll be like, cheers. How's your night? <laughs> oh, that's and a like, good one. <laughs> you know, that way. It's, I imagine little, you like, like closing your eyes, holding it up and just seeing who cheers as you and being like, you, I will chat with. <laughs> You're the winner. You won. And I'll be like, what did you win? A chance to talk to me. I don't know. Like, so like stupid. <laughs> um, or you can just like, I don't know, go to a bar where there are activities, pool, darts. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you don't have to feel so like twiddling your thumbs, but yeah, I don't know. Those are my, my quick little tips and, and whatnot. I love um, but it. Yeah. I mean the queer, the queer femme thing. I mean, it just, it just is what it is, but that's my, that's my tip too, is like, just get good at starting the conversations and like being clear that you're showing interest in someone and yeah. then they'll hopefully pick up the clues. So one, I would say like under talked about downside to compulsory heterosexuality and this whole idea of like obviously you're straight until proven gay you know like <laughs> like that's kind of the approach we take it um, is yeah just I mean another downside I would just say I guess of patriarchy really is that we do not learn to do the same um labor as men yes. we are taught to do separate and it's supposed to be you know whatever the bible or whoever says you know it's supposed to be separate but equal labor right and that's what it's supposed to come together and now you've got one person doing each aspect of labor and when you don't have that it is a massive bummer <laughs> to realize like i am missing so many skills that just feel like they should be human skills and, you know, like, I think we yeah. talk a lot about how men miss those skills where it's like they don't know how to do emotional labor. They don't know how to do domestic labor. They don't know how to do like all kinds of really important human shit. Yep. But we we miss out on on different things, obviously. But this being one of them, like the ability to connect with others in a romantic or sexual space, because that is its very own skill. It's different than just you know, talking to a stranger. And I would say even that men learn, you know, like that they have to be confident. So they practice and they get, they get over that sort of hurdle. Oh, absolutely. And like, you already touched on like the coming into your queerness and, and having to go through this whole weird questioning of like, oh my God, I have to, I have to talk to girls. I have to pursue <laughs> what, I mean, I, I went through that too. And, and I'm, I, I, I'd like to think I'm so smooth, but like, I'm not, it's fine, but <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot more comfortable in that, mm -hmm. but it is a whole new, like death to your understanding of how yeah. those connections happen in, in learn, having to learn this skill of like, oh, I have to pursue, I have to start the conversation. I have to make yeah. it clear. I have to, da, da, da. but you're right. I mean, it's, it's such a great point to make that because of the way we're conditioned as men and women or whatever, we are not taught the equal types yeah. of skills, you know? And that and includes in bed also like oh, escalating, yep. I yes. reading signals, uh, taking like asking or, or understanding consent. consent. Like there's so many different pieces of this that like when two people come together who have neither of them have learned it, sex is really fucking awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like to that, I'll just say what I've kind of come to, to learn for myself is I just, I'm just very straightforward, but also because I, I, I am like, I like most women have had sexual assault situations yeah, yeah. happen and I've experienced it and also just been taken advantage of. So like, I would never want to do that to another woman or anyone. Mm -hmm. So I've just learned to just be like, can I kiss you? Yeah, yeah. May I this blah, blah, blah. I'll just say it. And, and, mm -hmm. and like, it doesn't have to be awkward or weird because I'd rather be really clear with someone and get a clear answer than just be like, I think she wants me to kiss her. <laughs> I yeah. don't know, you know, um, 
but I, I understand that. I agree. I would say my technique definitely veers towards just put it out there for transparency, etc. Yeah. But also I want to point out that like most women, especially a lot of my clients will talk about like they were taught never to be direct. So even that, which seems again, just like a basic human skill, be clear, mm. ask for what you want. And then, you know, like pay attention sure. to the other person's response. Um, even that sometimes feels like overcoming such a hurdle. Well, and I say that, yeah. And I speak like, I've always been this way. I haven't, like, I definitely mm. went through my own, uh, own, I I'm still trying to just in, in my own growth and healing, trying to just honor when I actually want to do something instead of like yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. being a people pleaser, uh-huh. um, whether it's a sexual circumstance or not, like I, and, and, and just simple things. So it takes time and practice. So like anyone that's new to this, trying to be direct or ask for what you want or, yeah. you know, whatever, honoring like your actual desires, just be kind to yourself and like give yourself some, yeah. some grace and compassion because it takes time. I, I feel more confident in it because I've been practicing in it and I'm not perfect and I'm still yeah. working on it, but um, that is a good, a good point. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't, I'm, I'm a very like strong-willed, whatever. I feel like I've become a very direct person and I would like to think I was, I was really direct as a kid. And then somewhere, you know, growing mm -hmm. up, I was taught not yeah, to yeah. be. So there is an unlearning that has had to happen, but yeah. yeah. So I also, I want to point out anybody who's questioning or confused about how to get started on this journey, like the fear of making a woman uncomfortable when you have been so uncomfortable for so long being hit on um, or have a history of trauma, like that's huge. It's such a normal part of the process. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, it, part of what we're taught, and it's also just a part of like natural compassion, empathy, and kindness to to put that kind of thought in care. So it's like, a, it's a balance and it's hard and it doesn't necessarily um, just, yeah, come naturally to, to figure that out. Cause I think no. that's a very real concern. Well, and also I'll just say like, we still, uh, you know, non-men, women who have been conditioned as can people conditioned as women, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll go into a lesbian bar and I mean, you'll bump into someone and they'll apologize yeah. to you. Huh? Yeah. I, I challenge anyone listening, go into a lesbian bar bump into someone not on purpose but like if right. you do you will notice like everyone's just apologizing. i'm so sorry i'm so sorry everyone's like apologizing to each other i'm like what are you oh my gosh I, I know why but like i hate this <laughs> <laughs> what is it like in a gay bar is it is it just everyone feeling entitled to bump into street to each other like no <laughs> no it's i'm i'm specifically if anyone here is, lives in new york has been in new york cubby holes like an iconic lesbian bar and it's tiny it's the small yeah, yeah, it's, it's like been smaller than my apartment I think like it's so small so like on a busy night like you're gonna bump into people it's just yeah. gonna happen um but it's just interesting I've I've clocked it or even just queer events like I went to a bunch of um there's there's this person who's trying to open the first lesbian bar in Astoria Dave's mm -hmm. lesbian bar so they've been throwing all these pop-up events to raise money so they'll have these big outdoor like they are mostly outdoor and stuff and there'll be big events and all these vendors will come and it'll be really fun but the same thing happens at these events like oh, <laughs> everyone's funny. just like really polite and apologizing to each other yeah. and oh and to that I will say and this is something I, I I wanted to circle back on um just in terms of uh sexually connecting with women it's been so interesting on my journey is noticing how much more comfortable I inherently am with women and mm -hmm. Mm. I, I just don't feel like, you know, I'm going to be taken advantage of. <laughs> I, I can relax wow, yeah. and actually feel like pleasure because mm. anytime I have sex with pretty much anyone, the first time we're hooking up, I'm like, I'm probably not going to climax yeah, yeah. and like, that's okay. That's fine. 
but it's happened more than a few times with women. So there's definitely, I think an inherent just, I'm I'm more, I feel more comfortable and I just won't ever really feel that inherently comfortable with men. Right. Which makes like so much sense for so many reasons, but even just on its most primal basic reason, like the feeling Because, you know, we experience less uh, pleasure and less likelihood of orgasm when we we are like in our heads or anxious about stressed about anything. Right. Right. So just being like vaguely stressed that this person might be unsafe in any kind of way, physical, sexual or emotional, like that is good. Even if you're having like the best time and everything is great, that is always going to just kind of live in that sexual space with men because- of all the experiences we've all had. And yep. that's a really interesting point that your your brain and body could kind of just sink into it more. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I love so, that. And I also wanted to go back and just yep. point out that the um so the exploration that you and I have both done. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I was I was born in Los Angeles, but I only oh. lived there till I was six. So I don't like to okay. claim it. And I grew up in various states in the South. So I grew up in Tennessee, Texas, and Georgia primarily. I went to college in North Carolina, but I've lived in New York now longer than anywhere else. Okay. So that's all over the place. I don't know if this question will apply. My question <laughs> was going to be, could you have done all that if you stayed in your hometown? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, and like for me, I guess hometown, I would call like Roswell, Georgia, because okay. that's where spent like my middle and high school years the, the longest I'd lived anywhere before I moved here um yeah. and like no even even the I mean I mean maybe if I lived in Atlanta I have I have right. friends that live in Atlanta like in the city proper but Roswell is a suburb it's a wealthy suburb but like no I mean it's the south like hell yeah. no I would not feel safe so I grew up upstate New York very conservative pretty rural or you know rural suburban and I just think like let's say I married my high school boyfriend or something and I stayed in this town, I would be cis straight probably forever. I mean, maybe I would like push to be a swinger or something, you know, to get my like, (laughs) like I would just be like, that's what I want. Or I don't know, maybe I'd get a divorce and leave. But like, I do feel like there's, there's something about the fact that like doing all of this exploratory identity work and present self-presentation work is really bizarre um, just to do with people who've known you your whole life. And yeah. especially if that those people who've known you your whole life happen to be in like a more conservative uh, climate, obviously. Um, so I feel like I was only able to do it because I left. And it was like, I could almost track for you. Like the further I got from my hometown, the more I, more freedom I had to explore and play. So I now live in the same town as my whole family pretty much. And I am, you know, it's, it's a liberal, it's, it's Asheville, North Carolina, right? So it's like, it's a liberal city and there's so much queerness here and it's a different decade than when I grew up and all these things, but also it has been particularly challenging to do this while here with them. Because oh, I'm like, normally I kind of like live my real life and then I come home and I'm like, oh, well, I came out as trans, but it's nothing you need to to worry about, you sure. know, like to my family. Because I'm like, I don't want to. That's hard to have people who are like, you are a, a woman. And I'm like, I'm not. 
That's well, yeah. I mean, I feel like for anyone's family, like I, I also don't live close to my family at all. My twin brother lives in the city, but um, my mom and my dad live in two different states, mm. far away, Missouri and Texas. Um, so I don't see them that often. But like, I feel like any dynamic, any family dynamic, whether you're dealing with like your gender expression or your sexuality or anything, even just growing up a little bit out and when yeah. you leave and then come yeah. back and your family like still sees you as this yeah. little girl or this whatever and they put you in this box and they keep you in it and they make it really hard for you to like yeah just be yourself um even if they're accepting it's hard because it's just at a certain point it's just a lot of labor to like handle other people's surprise even you know well and and yeah I mean they have to be willing to let the old version of you in their minds die yeah accept the one that's here in front of them and that's hard that's hard for anyone to do and yeah. And, and certainly I think people from older generations have, have an even yeah. harder time with that. So, so it has been hardest with my parents. Both of my brothers are really like one was on board long before I was <laughs> amazingly. Um, and the other is sort of getting on board, but like, I do think it's, it's difficult because exactly what you said, like they have this like version of you and the version of me was boy, crazy, like very straight, um, very, I don't know that anyone would have said very feminine, but just like, uh, they just assumed, right. Like that I would identify with being like a strong woman. And, um, certainly that they assumed monogamy would be the ideal for me and, uh, that I would want to have kids. And it's like, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> like you really kind of make the people in your life do some work to be like coming out at every level. And there's all Literally. these things, which is also when I think about compulsory, anything I'm like, can we just save everybody the fucking trouble and not have an assumption in the beginning? <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, I feel like, like everyone's exhausting for everyone. Out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, yeah. And it, it does suck. Like I'm certainly privileged in, in, in the fact that I've gotten to live in a very liberal city, like the most yeah. liberal city in the country that's being queer is fine, like completely acceptable. And, um, and to have like supportive family for the most part. And, uh, and just have like great chosen family around me too, my friends and, and everything. So I, 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 I feel for, I I sympathize or empathize with people who don't have that. I I can't, I mean, I can't, I I can't imagine that it's fucking awful. And I would just encourage you to leave and find a more inclusive, lovely place to live where, where there is a community that can support you because it's so, I want everyone. I mean, that my, one of my greatest wishes for just like something, I'll, I'll say this. One of the highest compliments I have gotten more than once is people feel really comfortable to be themselves around me because they see me being Mm -hmm. myself. And I love that. I love that because I want that for everyone. There's, there's just so much power and joy to be had when you actually live out what feels true for you. And this journey of finding it does take a little work, but like I just want everyone to go on it. It's worth it. It, It's going to hopefully make your life a lot better and easier and fun. So authenticity in that way really functions as like a permission slip for other people who look at it. And I think that's why for me anyway, I can look back and I could probably name, uh, you know, multiple dozen people who inspired me along the way because they were doing something that broke certain rules. Everything from like going brawless with big boobs, you know, like beauty ideal rules to femininity rules. Like you have to have long hair because that's what men like to like sexuality to all of every bit of it. 
And seeing someone else be badass and like break the rule was the inspiration for every single one of those things, which is why I think like, even if it's really hard and you kind of can't get it up for yourself, sometimes the, the courage and effort that goes into finding your authenticity, sometimes you can connect to being like, this is for other people. Like this is for the teenage girl who in my life, or this is for, you know, like it can just be really hard to bother sometimes when you're like, I'm fine without doing all that. That sounds hard. And, you know, sure. Right. And, and, and maybe for those people, like maybe it is harder, maybe they'll never go on that journey. But also I know my dog is crying. She so needs attention. So she's in my lap. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, fine for them. Fine. But like, I feel like the people that will really hear this and like, this will speak to them. They're the ones who either are on the journey or want to be on the journey. And like, yeah, I just totally. want to continue to encourage you to play and, and have yeah. fun and just like throw paint at the wall. Or your and face also if and somebody's <laughs> yeah. also, if you're out there thinking like I could never do X, Y, Z, like that's probably the next fun thing to try doing. <laughs> yes. Just, just people, to see. every time it'd be like, I shave my head and they're like, oh my God, I could never. And I'm like, it sounds like you want to <laughs> like oh, people who don't want to don't have that thought, you know, like, right, right, right. It sounds like you're projecting. I don't yeah. know, maybe, hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And like, I don't know, it's, I, I feel, I know I'm not sure I touched on this earlier with the, with the makeup stuff, but like, um, I think because I was so plain and boring, plain to me and boring and the same for so long, like, that's why I've had so much fun being like the biggest, the extraist, like like yeah, the most yeah. stuff. And I do kind of view it as like actual like art. Um, because it is a a piece of me I have like picked back up from childhood because I, I did really like drawing and painting as a yeah. kid and I put it down for a really long time because it was just felt too introverted to like paint something and be like, look mm. at what I made. And then like no one's gonna look at it. But now if it's on my face, everyone yeah, they have to look at it. <laughs> So actually, this is interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the avatars, the four body image avatars stuff that I do, but the self-objectifier is one of them. So it's like, obviously, I've heard you talk about this before. Yeah, It's very much um, a person whose body image issues are based on that sort of philosophy, that being attractive is the key to getting everything you want, that being attractive to men is like basically the only way to have worth. Like, you know, that's kind of like the root cause of where their insecurities come from. Um, and I forgot why I was bringing that up. What were we just talking about? Makeup and, and, uh, expression and big, big dramatic face. Oh, oh, okay. Right. Thank you. So (laughs) it was about, um, childhood and art because I actually noticed that in my self-objectifier clientele, they tend to almost all have had some kind of creative drive when they were young. And I am convinced that there's something to this, that it's like the people who take this message to heart the most, um, they are the ones who also connect to beauty in a very particular way, connect to creativity in a very particular way. And then like all that stuff gets like, that's very authentic, right? That's real. And then that Mm -hmm. gets all like wrapped up in beauty ideals and the idea of worth and, you know, patriarch and all these things get really complicated. And so actually one of the things I will give them on their healing journey, a lot of times is to find another channel for that creativity or, or love of things that are beautiful Yeah. And it sounds like you just sort of like found your way to that because it just felt right. And yours actually still is within the kind of realm, I guess, of beauty, but it's like so much you've made it your own. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think absolutely true for me. It sounds true for me. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've really, um, enjoyed coming back to it. Uh, 
also because I think I t- talked to you previously before about how like for me makeup isn't I don't wake up and put on makeup I don't wake up and think mm-hmm. I need to put on makeup yeah. it's very much a part of like how I like to express how I like put yeah. on an outfit and express how I'm feeling or how this outfit's making me feeling or whatever mm-hmm. or I just want to write I'm gay on my eyes like I don't know I want people <laughs> <laughs> to that end I I once uh, I saw the uh, 15 year uh, this, I'm a musical theater nerd uh, I saw the 15 year anniversary uh, concert of Spring Awakening so it was the first concert <gasps> I ever saw so on cool. Broadway and I wore my t-shirt which is the only t-shirt I've ever gotten at a Broadway show and I wrote totally fucked on my eyes because that's one of the songs yeah. <laughs> And uh, and it was just great walking around. People were like, oh, "This totally fun." I'm like, "Yep." Anyway, oh um, but it's just it's just it, it it's it's really more like a artistic expression than it, it yeah. is like a um. I need this to feel beautiful, yeah. though it does make me do though though I do feel beautiful wearing it. Sure, but it it's so much more than that to me. Yeah, because like I will spend hours <laughs> plural putting on makeup, and it's because it's you know time to just play and, and yeah. paint and have fun for me and um that's that's really what it has become about for me and then also yeah I do feel like a bad bitch so <laughs> so there's something so so funny a lot of times when I especially among the self-objectifier people I will get the question of like how do you know if you're doing something because like compulsory beauty ideals and conditioning or because it's authentic and it just feels right to me And I would often say, like, if your drive to put on makeup or get your, um, you know, hair done or whatever the thing is, comes from like a genuine place, you're it's probably not going to have 100% overlap with beauty ideals, right? Like it that just seems extremely unlikely that that would happen to be your perfect aesthetic. Um, And I feel like you are a great example of someone who's like expressing using the tools of the patriarchy, but to like get weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh like, my gosh, yeah. It totally falls under, would you say bad bitch? Like I get that there's <laughs> it's hot. Like I get all of that too, but it's also like, it isn't, if your goal was to be as hot as possible, like as attractive to men as possible by that definition, you know, sure. like you certainly would not write. I'm gay on my, on your no. eyelids. You know? And like, that would be a whole different look. <laughs> and like, it's been, it honestly would be a fun experiment to <laughs> specifically dress up like a sexy strike girl and like go to a bar and see how I got hit on. Um, could I you just do it now? <laughs> could, could you embody it? It's funny. Like when I think about it, I'm like, I would have to um, just like, <laughs> be more plain yeah like in my appearance in my in compared to how I usually like to yeah. show up um you but have in to that's, like shrink yourself yeah a little bit but it would be kind of a fun I don't know a funny <laughs> a, funny, a funny experiment uh-huh. um but it's also funny too and I don't know if this is because I have become so much more comfortable in how I express myself and how I do express myself but like I don't get hit on by men that much mm. and I'm fine with that yeah I'm fine with it at first it was a little when I was like you know learning about figuring out the validation thing and then how I was seeking it I was it was a little bit of a blow to the ego right yeah, it, it was course. like I had to Same. go through like I'm I'm wanting this validation but it's okay and you know I worked for like six months with a life coach who really helped me work through a lot of that stuff and um but yeah so so that's interesting but um yeah I mean it's it's how I show up is for me first before yeah. anyone else. So if I am being overtly asexual and how I present, it's because like I want to feel sexual to me 
for me. And like, if other people find that attractive too, cool, but it's for me and you're welcome. Yeah, totally. (laughs) By the way, um, one of my favorite things you said when we were chatting before this call is I want men to feel confused. Yes. Such a hilarious way to put, I just think that's so like chef's. Yes. Yeah. Like, are you attracted to me? But you're like confused. Why? Like this is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And like not being afraid to intimidate. I think that's a big thing about the boldness of your look is like, if you intimidate that that's okay. And so much of the cis gender woman performance we're taught to do is about like never intimidating, never like making, taking up too much space or time or, you know, making people like feel uncomfortable. And you're like, I'm okay with all of that. It's just yeah. going to really quickly filter who hangs out with me, which is great. Exactly. Well, and it's funny, like I, again, like I didn't pop, I didn't, I had to work to get to this place where I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm good that you don't, you're not initially, but also like, I feel like anyone who talks to me, like they're like, oh, she's cool, whatever, yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. You just brought that up, like the intimidated because, uh, I have a, a good friend of mine, one of these younger girlfriends of mine who she's like, guys don't really hit on me. Like, I feel like, do you think I'm intimidating? I'm like. I don't know. Maybe they're intimidated by you, but oh, well, like the right guy won't be. (laughs) Right, right. Yes. And that's another thing (laughs) is that we are taught that it is our job to like tailor ourselves to the general men population. Not, I mean, how many partners do you need? We have 8 billion people on the planet. So like a couple of them are certainly going to appreciate you for exactly who and what you are. And the idea is just taught to us in all of this like performance that we must appeal to the masses because it's not just about finding a great partner who is into us and we love. It's about like owing men a positive experience of us just existing in their world. Uh yeah. <laughs> that was an intense eye roll. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it just fucking sucks. And I feel like yeah. social media has probably made it worse because mm. all the likes and attention you get on there. And it's like, I want, I want all these followers and I want them all to like me yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not immune to that. Like trust. I'm not immune to yeah. that, but it's, it's just, I like got so excited when my following breakdown was like more women than men. I was like, <laughs> right, right. We did it. We did it. Um, because for a long time it was just like mostly men. And I'm like, uh, yeah. okay, I get it. Yes. I post pictures of my naked booty sometimes. Yeah. It's nice. But <laughs> so I I think sometimes I feel really hopeful for the younger generations because I'm like, they're all interrogating this and that's all they need, right? Like if we can get the majority of a generation doing this kind of interrogation and exploration, we're all gonna be okay. Yep. But that same generation is being like, uh, you know, they have, they have TikTok filter, yeah. like they're not going to know what an actual human face looks like. Well, and, and yeah. you know, all these things, like so much editing, so much filtering. I mean, they're going to have a totally different set of problems. Right. Right. The whole self-perception and like, I mean, just even when you look at the beauty industry and like fillers and Botox and everything and like what more and more people are just like being drawn to do. I mean, I'm so glad I'm a millennial. I, I had before the internet and after the internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was basically making TikToks when I was 14, but they were just like on a, on a cassette digital tape. <laughs> <laughs> on a cassette tape. And I would like edit them in like Windows Media yeah. Player. And I'd be like, look, friends. And I would show them to like my five friends. And like, that yeah. was it. And we were like dancing to like music videos in sync. Like it was dumb. Yep. Um, but so it wasn't the same at all. So I don't, I don't envy that part of the younger generation's experience because yeah. 
there's just we're yeah, such home dweebs, sleep. you know, like we're like doing all that, <laughs> doing news shows where we were like broadcasters Literally. and then we would do the commercials. We did all that stuff too. Literally. And like nowadays you see like the 12 year olds doing like TikToks and full glam makeup. And you're like, how could we both have been 12? <laughs> literally and also like you don't look 12 at all I I couldn't have looked like that at 12 even if I had a full beauty team on on my face so I don't it just yeah it honestly feels like no one looks awkward anymore no one goes through that awkward stage I'm sure it isn't but (laughs) it's the perception (laughs) um okay Kat this was such a such a fun and interesting conversation. I'm so, so happy that you were willing to come and talk about all this stuff. I did want to get you to define by erasure because it's something that you've talked about. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, just a, a little bit of like a breakdown because I think that's that was one thing we didn't touch on yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so by erasure is just um, the erasure of by people in the world or like the understanding that we are here and we exist um, because <laughs> it's super fun thing that bisexual people get to deal with is that you know in the queer community we're not gay enough but in the straight community we're just like either not seen as gay or we are seen as only gay um so then it's like okay so I'm either gay or straight or whatever and I'm not actually what I am which is bi and extremely confused all the time I'm kidding (laughs) but people Uh, people don't question straight or gay like right. if you say That's you're true. one of those things, pretty much most people are going to just believe you and move on. And if you say you're bi, you will constantly be questioned. And it yeah. will be even even in the queer community where you'd think it's people sad. are really open minded. Yeah, I went I mean, I went to Cubbyhole once years ago and like my friend was trying to explore her sexuality and she was so cute and she was just like introducing herself being like, I'm exploring my sexuality. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, um. But, uh, you know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm bi, whatever. And this woman, one of her first questions was like, how many women have you slept with? And it's just like, Ooh, okay, that's like not important. Pro- prove you're bi enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and so it it sucks. And and it's not, it's not, it, there is a lot of it. It's not everyone everywhere. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I think, and also sexuality is a spectrum. Like even being bisexual is a spectrum. Like, no, mm. not everyone's bisexuality is going to, be like mine is the way I experience my sexuality and my attraction to people and genders and whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, and also, you know, I feel like a lot of people, another kind of place where bi erasure happens is people think people only say they're bi before they claim being gay. Right. Yeah. It's like hedging. Which sure that might be some people's journey. And I am so here for anyone who, is questioning and they're like, and they're like, I'm bi. And then later they, they, they decide or discover that they're actually gay or whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to be like, well, they weren't there. They were never bi. It's just like, that's where they were on their journey. That is the term that felt good for them. Respect that. And like, we're just trying to put this, you know, kind of awkward and blunt human language to a very complex lived experience. Like it just doesn't quite work we're doing our best (laughs) with what we've got. And like the box, you know, and like, I also, there's something to be said for like, why do we have to put ourselves in boxes? And it's like, we don't, you know, I'm very much an advocate for just use the, use a term if you want to use a term and only use it if it feels right to you. Mm -hmm. That's all that, that's what matters most. Like, and any, anyone can think what they want and fuck them. (laughs) It's, it's really should be about what feels good to you. And, and hopefully people will respect that. Yeah. Um, I also sometimes compare it to like introvert extrovert where like you might like 
contextually be more of one or the other. And therefore, when you change context, discover, oh, I thought I was this, but actually I just needed like more alone time and I'm that, you know? Yes. So it's, it's so, I mean, obviously nobody cares about that. They're not like, wait a second, you said you were an introvert last year. And now, you know, like that wouldn't happen because nobody cares, but people care so much about this that it's like a big deal to go and explore it. And it's just a weird thing. Like you mentioned a lot of the coming out that we have to keep coming out. Whatever. It's just like, it's so weird. We have to come out at all where it's just like, okay, we have to talk about the people I choose to have sex with yeah. and have relationships with. Like wh- why, why do we yeah. need to do that? Now, out of curiosity, because I also say bi instead of pan, even though pansexual, which means attracted to like any and all bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I guess technically I am. I just, I, I feel very cozy with the word bi and I'm not really sure why I don't feel that same like comfy familiarity um, with the word pansexual. But I'm curious how come you use um, bi as well? The, yeah, I feel the same way. I I, I, base, I am pansexual. I am, yeah. I, I am attracted to people like, you know, not really based on their... Mm-hmm. Uh, gender or whatever, uh, or all genders, uh, whatever it is. But um, I like the term bi because it feels more accessible to the masses. And yeah. also the the actual definition of bisexuality did go from being like attracted to two genders to two or more genders. So it could mm. be, it can encompass basically pansexual sure, yeah. ter- terms. But yeah, it just it feels good and it feels more accessible and yeah. I felt really unsure about it for a while. Like, is this being weirdly binary? And I'm a non-binary person, right? So technically, sure. <laughs> I don't know if like how that works. And I was feeling all weird about it until I heard this amazing definition of bisexuality being, I am attracted to um, two categories. One is people of my own gender and the other is people uh, uh, people who are not my gender. Different gender, yeah. So basically yeah. that covers everybody, right? It is two categories. Yeah. It covers everybody and it does not require us to be like men and women men because there are right. so much more. And yeah, yeah, that that was kind of what solidified us. Like, okay, that's the word that feels good for me right now. And I could totally change it in the future, but it's not right. going to change. The, like the internal experience is the same. Exactly. Well, actually, maybe it's not. <laughs> well right now i don't know but yeah. I, I i agree i mean the same same feelings uh about why i like the term and and yeah, and, and, yeah it feels good and like i don't know for a while there i was trying on just queer because that's mm-hmm. also true yes. um it feels so happy to me the word queer i know it's like older generations get so they're like it was like such a such a like bad bad word, word. yeah and i'm like i know that's what makes it so powerful to reclaim but they yes. I, I get pushed yeah. back yeah it's like I, I'm a slut too. And I love, right, that's right, a happy right. word to me now too. Yeah. I'm like, yes, let it up. I love it. Sup sluts. Keep it slutty is what is my <laughs> slogan for 2023. Everyone keep it slutty. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you for being on here and talking about all this stuff. Thank it was you. A joy. This was awesome. Is there anywhere that you like want to plug or have people go other than your Instagram? Um, my Instagram and TikTok. My TikTok is a little less organized, more chaotic, um, but <laughs> they're both just cat nerd easy, my name. So find me up at both. And yeah, that's, that's all I have for now. So. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And everybody listening, you can find me at my website, justinneela.com or on Instagram. And I am slowly dipping a toe in the TikTok waters soon. So I will also be figuring that out myself. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening. And I will catch you all next week. 